Yes, so welcome to another episode of the podcast. In this one, calling uh, Hamill from Benny Culture in Birmingham. Um, uh, we just have a chat on the phone. It's a bit longer than previous ones, so if you do want to just skip bits and whatnot, just use the little buttons at the bottom on the Spotify thing. Um, but yeah, I'll give him a ring now and um, enjoy. Yes, so before I do, actually, I'll just give a little introduction into what Bene Culture is now and sort of just a little background. So basically, it's a shop in Birmingham, more of a concept streetwear shop, which they sell their own label, their own brand. And then they also stock other independent um, streetwear brands and creative stuff such as magazines. And they host events um, for creatives, for people doing things um, in the area. Yeah. I suppose that's that's a little intro if you don't know. Um, but as you'll find out, much more to it. Come from and just a little, give us a little story. Well, so, so my brother and originally, so, so when he, he went to like obviously school and university, college, university, yeah. and he wanted to always start a clothing brand. Um, I wasn't, to, to be honest, I wasn't that interested in, in fashion at all. I was interested in like clothing anything along that um yeah. but i think around i think it was like 2010 2011 yeah we, just, we were thinking of a name and we had like some random ones uh it was like i think it was like something like something quality or like trying to find names that like italian and was stuff. there like and a then, theme at the time then was there something that was trendy that like kind of led it to be the in french is it french yeah yeah it, it, it's italian it's italian, italian yeah. um so it's Bene means good or well. Yeah. Um, and it's Italian and what's the other word for it? Um, what's it called? Not Italian. It's like Old English. Um, sounds stupid. Um, but basically, it was Italian and Vimal was trying to pick up the name. And originally, it was him and his now wife. Yeah. And they kept going through loads of names. And cause we, we, as a business, we wanted to get the trademark for it straight away. Yeah. Because... It's always that thing when you're starting a business, you can always start a business. But if you've got no monetary value towards it, you sort of don't have the drive to want to start it. Yeah, so I get that. we thought, let's get the trademark. Let's like... Invest, invest a bit in it and then you want yeah. to... Yeah. So we want to go forward with it. And then when they're picking the name, it was always like good. We want to be good customer service. We want to have good products. Yeah. Because I, I think the name is, is like stood to test of like it's 10 years now since then and it yeah it means so because the way you connect people with other brands as well and yours and it's like it just makes sense that it's like a a good feeling of connection and i think it makes even more sense we were meant to be a brand back in the day we were literally going to be like you know that streetwear boom and big cartel in like 2011 we were meant to just be a brand and to be honest, I think the main thing was we didn't know what we were doing at all. I think <laughs> yeah. now it's it's like it's talking about manufacturers, talking about taking photos, product shots, website. We had no idea what we were doing at all. So was the start of it just sort of you saw it? Was it kind of a trend thing? Were loads of shops just popping off, and you thought we want to do this? We, we, we never actually launched a website or anything. Oh, really? so we, we launched a Tumblr. Yeah. And I think we were just posting, like, we're literally getting the name, and this is, like, really tacky now, I think about it. We're getting the name and putting it on, like, um, like prints of, like, posters and stuff and just putting the name Bene Culture yeah, yeah. across it. And we got a fair few followers on on, on, um, on Tumblr. I think we got, like, 1,000 or something, or yeah. 2,000. Because Tumblr, I don't think I ever... I think it was before my time, Tumblr. But it was, like, it was the page, because people retweeted stuff. Yeah. They reblogged it, so it was good to like get attraction. Attraction. So was the style stuff. then that you were going for? Was it just just logo on it, and it was just whoever buys it, or it was basically aerial font, culture <laughs> in front of. I, I probably have some. I think the website might still be up. I think it's like Benicultra at dumpycumbler dot com. Rare. Okay, <laughs> uh, uh, Tumblr. Oh, it's gonna be disgustingly bad. Okay, so the, web, the website's still on. Oh, I've got to find it. 
To be fair, isn't that bad? Like, because I think after when we when we actually started. How do you spell started, Tumblr? T U M B T U M B L R. And to be fair, we've got like some of the stuff was bang on. Like, it's kind of funny. Like, one of the it's things not, we really it's, blocked, it's quite nice. The I was expecting like just it not to be good. See, go. <laughs> Go into the back ends of it. Oh, you just keep <laughs> yeah, scrolling? Or do you have to just keep going down? So if you put a, a dash slash archive, it, sh- uh, it shows the archive. And what, dot fuck, com slash archive? Uh, yeah, so tumblr.com slash archive. And if you go deep into it, there's some really bad stuff. Um, like, we had, no, we had no idea what we were doing. Like, to be brutally honest, like, not that we didn't know what we were doing, we just didn't know how to get a t-shirt printed and like many kids don't when you're like well, i think i was 19 yeah or 18 my brother was probably what i think he must have been about 24 25 like we had no clue what we were doing as a brand but we had good imagery we, we knew what we liked and aesthetically um but you, I was what were you doing so did your brother did he have money to put into it or i think or, we're just gonna do it like just as we all just pre-order yeah and stuff like that, like get a sample, try and do a lookbook for it, and then put it up. And I think, like looking back now, like a lot of our imagery wasn't that bad at all. Like, for like, I think we started it in 2010, 2011, and it was consistent. Like we had about a lot of posts in, but it's like with any small business, like until you have actually have that product and that thing out there, or produce a produce something, you're not gonna. It's hard to drive yourself to do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. We were doing this Tumblr and it was like, it was just a Tumblr. That's all it was, really. And we didn't know where to go with it. And we just sort of left it. I was at uni, so I was still carrying on with uni, doing, trying to graduate. And uni itself, as in, it's, it's like, it's quite a high pressure. And my yeah. brother was still trying to do it here and there. And I was trying to help out when I could. And it just, I think it never, we never got, got through and actually hit what we wanted to do with it. And then I graduated uni, couldn't get a job. Um, and then I think it was like the start of 2015. So I, I would say we officially so, started, started. So were you, were you all in Birmingham and then you, where did you go to uni? Did you go to uni in Birmingham? I went to Wolverhampton. Okay, yes. So, so close. The shittiest close. uni <laughs> in the Midlands, but in the country. Um, so, the, so Vimmel was still trying to start it, bits and bobs. I think we just, we just didn't know how to get stuff manufactured, which was, yeah. I think now it's a lot easier, but back in the day... Do you think now, yeah, like, like you say, with with the internet and everything, and just you can just ping a message and Google everything? I think, it's just I think like, I, I, I'm reading Bobby Hundreds' book, um, and yeah. he was talking about going to like manufacturers, and they would say, like, okay, to start, to get this stuff ran, you have to do a minimum of 100. Yeah. And if you think about it, if, if you're... My brother was working, like, a normal part-time job. I was working at Curry's, I think didn't really have the cash to say, oh, we're going to put, we have enough trust in our product to get a hundred of them. So we just never, we just never did it. Yeah, it's a lot um, of money though, isn't it? Sort of, if you're just, yeah. Paycheck, and like, kind of. I think once we got, we got a sample and it cost like, I think it was probably disgusting, probably about like, cost us about 70 pounds. Really? 60 pounds or something. <laughs> what? But looking back now, like, yeah. I don't think we ever, we ever get samples now. We never get samples, thinking back on it. And we were just like, this is... And it wasn't even that great of a sample. I think it was just literally said Vene Culture in the middle and it was just like, oh, God, it just isn't the best. It makes you think, were, were the people printing it making it absolutely killing or were, was it just more expensive? Or what was I, think it was Vis- I think it was Vista Print. Yeah. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. So you know what I mean? It was like, we didn't even know like, how to do it. Like, okay, if you go on deep into the ground, like, you can see some of the shit we started off with, but it was literally like, we would get like... Say a picture of space yeah. in a black box have Bene Culture in literal aerial font and it was fucking it was awful. But man. to be but fair, I'm on this Tumblr and I'm down in twenty thirteen and I I, I oh, thought oh. it'd be worse than it is. Like it's 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 quite get, some of the stuff is quite cool still. Get deep get deeper in. You know, you know, I've got to lower. <laughs> get lower. Like a lot of the stuff we got like you've got like, Farrell, Farrell Williams or like Okay, it's kind of a bit weird now with Spider Man. And... <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, it was that culture of like you know, like Obey, with yeah, like yeah, Teaser yeah. Caps, Pyrex. It was like that period. So it was like we were, we still had our own style and stuff. And like I think this is like June twenty twelve. We got Frank Ocean. Like, do you know what I mean? We've got yeah. like Frank Ocean. We've got Mac Miller. 
we've got Kid Cudi, so it's that sort of aesthetic. And majority of our followers came because we just posted stuff like ASAP yeah, Rocky. Just, just mixed with that. Yeah, like it was just like that that sort of style. And it, it was it was doing like it was the, the Tumblr was doing all right, but we never it was never a proper thing. It was just a Tumblr. Yeah. So what happened was, um, I graduated uni. I couldn't get a job. My brother wanted to start it, but I think we, we never really had the money. We never had like the, the drive. And then I say like the stuff that made it react and actually become a business was Hass Hassim. So okay. he's the third business owner. It's myself, my brother Vimo, and Hass. Yeah. And he he was like the push, like let's do it. Why are we just sitting in an article? It's a sick name. So were you always let's... mates, or did he come so, to somewhere? Obviously, me and my brother are brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah obviously, I mean Hass. Hass. Hass was my brother's mate for like oh, okay. probably about probably coming up to like fifteen years. Yeah. Sixteen, seventeen years, something like that. So they've been mates for years and years and years. So it's like he, he's not he's not just a mate he's like a family yeah yeah I get, I get so you. we went to start it and like when we started it it's you don't realize but we give when a small brand comes to us now we give him a lot of time because we think when we were lots small when we were like smaller not many brands did give us a lot of time yeah and and so you, we, yeah, you, you want to treat them how you wish yeah. to be treated or and wish, going back to yeah. the name thing it was sort of like that's when I'm so important. Back when we started it, and even more when we began in tw- in 2015, in terms of the starting the business, we still wanted to. We still had that thing in our head of we wanted to produce great products, good customer service, good website, good blog. Like we want to always push the people that we surround ourselves with. If you mm-hmm. kind of get what I mean. So even when we started in 20, we got the name in 2010, 2011. It still was very important when we first started the business properly in like in twenty fifteen. When we started the planning of the business in twenty fifteen. Do you think it's been hard to always be that standard? Or like or do you think it just once you decided in when you say twenty fifteen ish when you decided to do it like properly, was it did it just come naturally? I think it came naturally because I think when you would start a business, I think your key goals should always be wanting to do something at a high quality. Mm. So I think the name set precedent that we want to do for the products what we do. Yeah. And I think the brands that we got in initial, the, or like the brands that we started, because uh, initially we started as like a vintage store that had two brands, really. So the two brands we started with were Heresy, which we've stocked for like, basically since 2015, 2016. Yeah. And a brand called Teela, who we owe a lot to because they gave us a chance when we first started out. Um, and then we had loads of vintage, and that vintage was really the start off for for us. So, with, so with, those, with those two brands, were you stocking those on your online? Would, would you buy yeah. it and sell it? Or so, would you, how would so that work? buying was a lot different to what it is now. And if you're getting a brand in, you're paying like one grand, two grand for the stock. Mm-hmm. So we obviously we didn't have that much cash, and this was like all our money put together, and we had to buy the stock for for the, the, these two brands to start off with but the main point of the business was the vintage it was a once a 50 50 match we wanted like yeah we wanted these really good independent brands to be supported by this really good americana vintage yeah yeah and when we launched um like we tried to get our product shots done by the best like we got a uh, jack spice radams who's like a birmingham photographer okay he's brilliant at uh, product shots he did all our product shots <laughs> We we sat on our, I think we sat on our website for ages, just not wanting to know when to release. And even when we released, we were like, oh, it was like a marketing campaign. I think we posted on Facebook saying, can people, like we had a hashtag Benny Culture and asked friends and family to repost it. I think we had like four shares <laughs> and it was like four shares being like, can yeah. you please reshare it? Yeah. Um, but looking back now, we probably should have like had a proper plan to market, but we just thought, let's just... Once it's live, it's live, and then we can go from there. And yeah, but you got to you got to start with you got to just sort of start, I guess. And if you yeah. if, if you don't release, you know, if you keep waiting for it to get bigger or something until you do something, I think it's just doing it. I think a lot of people say if you sit on an idea, someone's gonna have that same idea. Yeah. And do yeah. It. One I idea think... I keep hearing at the moment, I think it was on another podcast or something, was um. I keep hearing people say they're going to print on used clothes, like, or the blanks, used blanks. Yeah. And I'm just, 
I'm just, I haven't really seen anyone do it yet, but I know someone's gonna. To be fair, like you've got like uh, greater goods who they don't print. Oh yeah, who create North the face. the bags. Yeah, yeah, and they're like they put labels onto the North Face jackets and stuff and make yeah. them into bags. But then you've got like a brand that we stock who buy it. Ewan Woodall is one of our friends. He does uh, bottled water research, mm-hmm. so he basically went to a vintage store and he got like app old Apple T shirts. Russell sweatshirts and he made he made new products out of vintage products and that there's loads of there's loads of smaller brands doing it yeah. um but even i think i think a lot of like i think it's um patagonia are they, are they like, i think they're asking for like older patagonia pieces yeah i've seen that on the, on the site i think you can yeah. maybe well i know they repair cycle. stuff and then they're gonna re- recycle stuff. To then, like you can re- they can reproduce new products with it. So, I think, I think it's not as like big in terms of every like, massive company is doing it yet. But I think smaller companies are still trying to do it. Yeah, I suppose actually, yeah, there are you saying that there there actually are a lot of things that are like kind of close to that, and it's gonna get bigger. It's quite funny though. One of our like first, I think our second or third collections we released, we actually got like about. 40 vintage 30 or 40 vintage pieces and print and got, got them printed on um it was right i think it's right cold drop has probably been one of our most successful drops yeah and we literally got the designs printed on the back and the front and got these jeans which had colt on them and colt member uh-huh. um and that was like what it was 2016 well, so you were already doing it <laughs> we were already doing it in like 2016 but it was just more of a thing where we thought it would look cool it wasn't we're trying to be yeah i suppose it, the eco the whole eco thing is very much recent i, th- I think i'm think? always like, i'm always 50 50 about the eco thing because i always think like in the past year it's probably been used more as a marketing tool but it should be just norm it yeah. shouldn't be a marketing tool oh we're eco-friendly it should be we're trying our best to do this as sustainably as we can i think we use like biodegradable bags we've used those since we've started near enough um we reuse all our brown boxes as much as we can for stock wise we try our best to not use as much plastic as we can. And like, even with the, the storefront, we've tried our best to like, repurpose stuff that's given to us or use local people to produce stuff. So we've always tried it, but I think that's a trend that you're probably going to see. Like, Do you think it's just going to carry on and on and on? Because I, I see a lot of brands and they seem to be doing it almost like half-heartedly and just claiming they're doing it, but not doing it from, from the essence, like like you were saying you you do. I think you get a lot of brands that are like from their grassroots they're starting with that and that's great because like if, if you're grassroots starting your business and your main goal is like sustainability that's like that's your good way to start because then you're not changing the way you work in five years time you, you're starting off great yeah and then your goods are going to be at a certain level at a standard straight away from the, the get-go you know what i mean they're always going to be that high yeah because they, they grew with the value i guess and rather than exactly yeah some u-turn Awesome. Like, I, I, I can't wait to see how all these fast fashion brands, they're going to have to take, well, they are now, but soon they're going to have to do some massive, massive U-turn on all this. Do you think they will go super eco-friendly, though? Because you've got, like, H&M, I think... Um... I just don't know. I just don't know how they're going to... I think what they'll do first is pretend they're doing it, but then they'll do, like, 20% recycled on a, on a material or something and then say it's green. And well, then, and then eventually... H&M had that, um, that, that big that big stuff that came out about their conscious and sustainable line. I can't remember the Netflix show. It was um, State of the Nation or something like that. Um, Hassan Minaj. Uh-huh. I think he, had, he has like a Netflix show and he was talking about the ugly truth of fast fashion. Um, and he basically bought loads of H&M products in like a mini pop-up. And they, they, they cut corners on little bits, like, um, they'll say a product's recyclable or, like, sustainably made, but it wouldn't be the product. It would be the tag that the oh, really? like, bus sign was on. And you think, like, that's... Yeah, that, like, that's what I mean. I think I think they're just going to try and get away with just carrying on as, as they are for as long as possible. And then... I, yeah. I think in a lot of ways, the big companies can start doing it sustainably is like recyclable projects where people can get discounts on new products by by passing them the old products then producing something from them that's yeah. the only way i think that they can do it because imagine the massive companies and 
if you think like for a small company, it's hard. Imagine a massive company that's got like millions, thousands and thousands of stores to change the the infrastructure of all those stores to deal with sustainability. Yeah. Hard. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's, it's not it's not even possible for them to just change straight away to the environment stuff. So to be fair to them, people give them a lot of stick, but they've, they've got so many people who have jobs in their company and they can't just, you know, just stop. I think a lot of them are doing it in a bad way. I think it was, is it Mulberry? They had the, the, the sustainably made leather bag. Oh, and they're calling it leather, but is that... And I, is that what I'm you just mean? like, you, you can't... Can you really have a sustainable leather bag? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I just... And it, and I think the was, it, was, was it like, leather? Or it was leather. It was... Um, just, uh, it's responsible commitments to focus on creating a positive change. Made entirely in the UK at Mulberry's carbon-neutral Somerset factory. So it's still a tannery, so it's still using leather. Yeah. Well, that's a bit odd, that. I mean... See, that's another one where where they just use the word and it's very misleading. And the price was £795 for a small tote bag. <laughs> yeah. Like, Jesus. But I think I'm, it's Mulberry. I think it might be Mulberry. Where, it is Mulberry, yeah. Where they... But where you can... If it gets damaged or something, they repair it for free. I think it's See, that, that's good. I, I think a, lo- a lot of, like, independent retailers are pushing that thing of, like, repairing stuff yeah. for customers. Or even doing, like, tailoring, which... It's like it's old school retailer stuff like that is bringing it back. Like you see a lot of the waste free supermarkets, where they're very very similar to. Oh, like, where you, yeah yeah, where you bring your own box or something and you fill. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah and I'll you fill it this. up and it, but that's really similar. It's like old school ways you do stuff like in the Indian supermarkets back in the day. You'd have like the brown bags, yeah, which everyone uses now. But back in the day, they were just standard stuff. Like you'd just get your brown bag, you'd fill it with all your goods. And it's you'd a bit leave. like uh, I was watching last night. Kanye West in his uh in his new ranch and he's he's trying to go backwards before he goes forwards and that reminds me you saying it's like it was in the past sometimes it's it's like people have to go back before they can re restructure stuff to make it environmentally friendly I think because a lot of brands it's like you want to be in the right side of the future don't you mm. you want to think say a year, two years in the wilderness might be worth it for like a twenty year project that's really sustainably and is really scalable as a business because you don't have that thing where you're you're trying to pay catch up because once legislation comes in that it has to be done you don't want to have to do all the rework on your product product to like change it i think we've been pretty lucky that our like carbon footprint isn't as bad yeah. um obviously we can't say we're completely innocent and we don't use plastic in certain situations because like, it's just hard to find stuff to produce and we don't yeah, want to well, I, I suppose some sometimes it's just not possible or yeah. feasible and like some especially being a retailer a lot of, not all of our brands are sustainable so we can't always fully say to them oh, like we can't say oh do this but we, we have a good relationship with all our brands and we'll like communicate so, oh look it'd be good to do this blah 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 and we share ideas if we go through anything like a lot of our brands are they're started by younger people and they're a lot of stuff's handmade. Look, say Grey Goods and Workshop. Look, we've just we just received two bags from today, and he all made it in house in his own house. Like you know what I mean? He didn't make it in a factory. He made it with his own sewing machine in his house and selling it to customers. Even Grey Goods is producing it in his own house. Yeah, it I, I do love the Grey Goods, the quality, and it just looks so nice. I haven't felt or felt or seen one in person, but I would love to. But they're really good quality. Like that's that's the good thing about it. It can be sustain. I think a lot of people think sustainability looks ugly. Yeah. Like it always looks a bit like. It's well, always I think that like, that comes from like that the old vintage kind of shops and stuff, and just walking yeah. past them and they're just all smelly and it's all <laughs> old, overgrown, like just chaos. <laughs> yeah. But I think the fact that like businesses are actually changing the way they think and producing products that look good and are sustainable is always the way forward for, mm. for anything. Like, I think a lot of, like, medium-sized brands, like, look at Noah. Noah's, the way they produce their stuff. Yeah, and people love it as well. They love that transparency uh, kind of a f- thing where they put up the the charts of where which money goes where and where's the, you know... But it's like what we were talking about before, with obviously all this COVID stuff. Like, you haven't got that ability to actually speak to your customers. Mm. But you're finding a way to speak to them virtually, which 
it's good good and bad obviously because you, you, I think a lot of people like having that interaction of speaking to someone in person and building that relationship. So you have to find try and find ways to. So is that something? So what was the whole idea of moving to the shop? Was that really just to meet and feel more closely with your customers? I think so. So to carry on from when we started. So when yeah. we first launched, we had, I think we launched. It was like something like the June eleventh, twenty fifteen, or something like around that date. I think I remember it. It was like a Thursday or Friday, and we didn't sell anything. Like to be honest, to be honest, we didn't sell anything. Yeah, was that where, um, that was the physical shop? No, this was the uh, online. This was the online store. Okay, okay. So online store, we didn't sell a shit. Yeah. <laughs> all, fuck all. I think our first sale was a guy to guy in America. And he bought two T-shirts. I think I forgot. To, I forgot to put postage on there. So we might have made, might have just broke even on it. And that was our yeah. first sale. And then we were like, shit. But it was the first sale, and I think having that first sale is so important. I suppose it doesn't really matter. It's just, it's just to get to get someone buy it. To get someone to it, buy it, just that makes the you know that's gonna spur you on. Is that remember um remember like on eBay when you sell something? And you'd hear that cha-ching, yeah, and you'd yeah. it. It's the same sort of feeling. It gets addictive, and you want to keep on having that. And then from there, we did. We hadn't put all of our vintage on, and we thought there was this new platform called. It was it wasn't new, but it was like getting quite big. It was Depop. Oh, so, so at the time, then was that must have been the very start of Depop. It must have been felt. Was did it feel really small, like indie? I think indie. it was like two years in. So you had that. Um, his name for the life of me now but it was like he sold all the supreme stuff is that um, like mellow hill mellow hill so he was like yeah, the yeah, only yeah. big depot person i really we knew about that sold like streetwear and like that kind of vintage oh, was, was, was big, everyone else it, kind of traditional vintage or what were they it was just like normal people oh like, so like, it wasn't sellers it was just a marketplace yeah it was just a marketplace there okay. was like three or four sellers that we really saw and they were like massive yeah and we thought this is like Honestly, I was against it. I was like, oh, we're letting our brand going on, like, an eBay. Do you know what I mean? I was like... Do you think, do you think if you'd never gone on Depop, but just put all the vintage on your website and just kept pushing the website, do you think it would have been different? I think probably wouldn't have lasted, honestly. Really? Depop was, our, Depop was like, our... It was it like a gateway? Getting, a gateway to more people? It was a complete gateway, because we put our vintage on, and then, to credit to Vimal, like, he was managing it all at that point. Yeah. And I was just doing, like, the web stuff and, like, doing any kind of photo imagery. And the Depop went from, like, we got a couple of sales, then more sales, then we are buying more vintage. And then I think because that was July-ish, then I think about October, we were, like, consistent amount of sales. Like, for, like, a store that we probably invested, what, like, hundred, probably under a grand in, if that. Probably less, even less than that. Yeah. Um. And we were doing consistent sales, and we spent normally on marketing. Like, if you bought something off us, we didn't have an, we had put a business card in there that was like made on Word instead of like Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. Um, we had no like knowledge of how to do this stuff. Yeah. So we went out there, and we produced it. It was just like. So we you, you at this point you you were definitely all working on other stuff as well. And you still, yeah, I, yeah. I, I still had my day job. Yeah. Uh, had like he had a separate eBay he was doing, and he was working in separate jobs. My brother was still working weekends and days at his part time job yeah. at a supermarket. We were all doing our own thing, really. And then around like, October, November time, we were like, let's produce like our own garments, let's produce Bene stuff. Yeah. Because like, we, we might want to find a way to do it. Uh, and again, we had the same issue of where no one would give us. We went to like stores and around Birmingham, uh, not to name names, um, and went to people and asked them like, "How do you produce?" Yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't tell you. They wouldn't tell us. Well, that's, I and think people... that's to say with. I think again, like you're saying, it's easier now. But when I was trying to do the vintage stuff, no one would tell you, you know, where to buy it from, and and it's similar to like you doing the clothes. Where where would you get it made or, or anything? Yeah, and like, no one would tell you. It's, it's like it's sort of like an industry secret. Yeah. You don't want to let anyone know where you got your stuff produced because it's they could when you're in like, doing your busy season they could be like taking your printer's oh, space. I see, yeah, yeah. So it means less. So and more more price yeah. as well. What well, if, if they get more work? It's sometimes it usually brings price down. But it was like a finger. We don't want to get to our busy period and be like, oh rubbish! I turn around times three four weeks. Yeah. That's what they probably thought. 
So we were just like completely stressed out. We like, couldn't find a place to do it. And then we went to Warsaw, which is like our closest town centre. And there was like a, you know, them like football, um, <laughs> not like football, like Sunday league teams. Yeah. And they have those printers. We do like the, foot, like the names on the back. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, we found a place called, Mul- uh, it's like called Multiprint. Um, oh, and they so do all the football shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, um, <laughs> I suppose they, that's they, that's the only, like, you saying that off the top of my head, that's the only thing that everyone, you know, when you want to print a football shirt, you have to know where to go and get it from because everyone, yeah. you can't just, it can't be secret. So I suppose it's the easiest one to find. And there's no minimum, so you didn't have to hit any sort of minimum yeah. to do the work. So we were like, we were just not laughing about it. We were like, okay, sick, we can produce stuff, but... Again, we were like... Oh, well, I think that's, that's quite, like... It's, it's, not, it's not genius, because it's not crazy thinking, but it is... You did think kind of different to to find a solution to that. Yeah, and then we, I think we used him for, like, up to a year, near enough. Wow. Um, but really funnily, like, we still didn't trust... Like, we were like, oh, God, we're going to buy this stuff. Like, are we going <laughs> to buy it? We're proper modest about it, but we don't think anyone's going to buy it. Yes. Yeah. At that point, and then... So we literally would get, like, two at a time, or we'd do it to order. So we'd put, like, 10, 10, 10 on all the products, or 20, 20, 20. And when we got a sale, we would then put an order through with our printer to produce it and have a turnaround time of, like, seven days. So it would be, like, it produced it within three days, we'd pick it up and we'd People would be like, where's my, where's my T-shirt? Or whatever. Now, so we would say our delivery time takes between, like, 10 to 20 days, and we, have like a, we didn't have a return policy at the time. Yeah. At all, because we were just, like, a small business. Like, it was, like, final sales stuff. Yeah. So people understood. And, like, it was, like, it was a really basic design. It was literally a, like, a hoodie um, with, like, Benny Korcha and Helvetica in the middle. But I think the first print we got, the Benny was a bit too high. We just <laughs> ran around with it. Um, we produced that, and, like, I think it was that. A white a white t shirt which I literally got the font made it in italic and put lines through it. Oh yeah, um, I remember all that. Loads of people were doing that, just lines and we, through stuff. I don't know why. And we did, we did that, and it, it was it sold really well. Like, yeah, that was it. popular. And then we had like I think we had like a white t shirt or something that said Ben Quarter in the middle. Yeah. And funny enough, we went to Digbeth, and we shot a lookbook in Digbeth. Yeah. For, for that release and I don't, don't look at it now because it's, it's fucking it's awful <laughs> uh, looking back at it now like, oh, it's not awful it's like, it's, like it's, it's not what we see as like our brand now yeah but we released it and like we sold loads like in the first couple of days like we sold loads and loads and loads and we were like and oh, is, that, okay. is that on Depop or on did you have this it was, Instagram this was website uh, this was to the website and the Depop we were just selling loads yeah Um, and then at the start of the year we sort of had, we were like, in the heads, we were like, we sort of want to open a retail store. We've got, like, pretty consistent customers on the vintage. We'd found a really good supplier that was, like, that we got really great vintage from. And we were making consistent sales from it. We were making our own Benet products were doing pretty well. And we were about to release a new drop. Uh, we'd also taken on a new brand, which was called Secret, which is probably, I think, probably our longest standing brand now. We've bought them with every season since yeah. we've had them in. Um, and the guys, Adam, uh, who runs it, he's Adam and Chris. They're like, they're like basically family to us now. They're, they've helped us a lot. Are they, are they uh, from Birmingham as well? They're London based. Okay. Okay. But Adam actually went to Birmingham uni. So yeah. they're like really great guys. And like they, they were our first, one of our first brands that we thought, okay, we've got like three brands now that we stock and they're big brands and they sort of helped us get more brands in from them. I suppose um, you can say to another brand, you can say we've got so and so and so and so, yeah, and then they go, oh, okay, you're a credible brand. Well, yeah. you can get us in, yeah. Um, so it sort of like led from there. But at the start of January, we were sort of like the store is the store is like the next step for us. That could be like having a physical space because brick and mortar, like really in twenty sixteen, everyone was saying get away from brick and mortar. We had loads of people tell us like, don't go and dig birth don't open a brick and mortar store it's not like yeah that's what it's not worth it i feel people say it now though as well but i think some uh, what, what's your perspective on that i think it's the way you do it yeah. a generic brick and mortar store where you're just selling products will always fail because mm. you're not connecting like you can't always just sell a product to someone you have to have 
you have to be like a community. You have to be like more than just a shop. That's yeah. what you have to be. Yeah, that I agree. I think... I, so the last podcast I had the the guys with the shop in Winchester, yeah. and they're doing the whole experience stuff, and I think just trying to make it more of an experience <laughs> and a and a and a community is so important. I think our shop. goal was too like cause obviously we're from uh, we're from India. Yeah. Like our families are, and a lot of our knowledge of like shops, we wanted to bring like the Indian experience of like when you go into a shop, not like Selfridges, but like a small shop. Yeah. They give you a bottle of water. They give you some sweets. They give you some food if you want. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always want to do that vibe. Um, we've, we've sort of gone away from that now just because it's like it's not financially viable yeah, always yeah. to do it because um, everyone takes all the water. <laughs> do you think Do you um, think that's like English culture just taking, taking all, all you can if it's free? I don't know. I think it was just we just sort of just went away from it. It was because yeah. we didn't have space to put like a fridge because the store is so small um space put a fridge or anything at the time um but we we sort of just wanted to do like have that whole like experience thing and we 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 look for spaces constantly like i think we we viewed about two and the rent was just super high and then luckily we we looked at a space in this in digbeth and then it just we never they they never gave it us for some reason never contacted us back about it we were like oh that's that's annoying and then luckily, one of our f- uh, cousins knew a girl that was in our current space, and she was planning to move. Uh-huh. And we were like, oh. That's mad. Can we, See, can we view the space? Yeah. So it was, a complete, it was pure luck. Like she, saw, she saw a Facebook post, contacted us, and was like, this space is for rent. When you guys go about it? And then we spoke to her, spoke to the landlords, and they were like, yeah, we'll definitely get you on. And that was like back in Feb, and then it took about, it took Feb, March... And then we didn't sign the lease until, like, start of April. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind, we're, like, a small company, and every day we're not selling in that store. Oh, so Make, we're were you paying for it while you, while you weren't in it? Yeah, so... No, so, like, yes, yeah, so we got it on the April, and we were like, we have to... Yeah, you got to get it as went, soon as possible. Yeah, and we had, yeah. we had money reserves, but we didn't know, like, if we would sell anything. We, we don't want to be having, like, a big deficit every month. How long did you sign for? Did you just... Do like a month or was it like six oh, no, months? So or... I think we started for like we started initially for a year. Okay. We were yeah. like, oh, well, if it doesn't work out, but I think a year or two years. Um, and then we we had to launch it, but madly, my brother went to New York the week we got the keys. Why did he do that? Where was he going? It was his thirtieth birthday, so he went to oh, New York, okay. and we basically me and Hass had to basically set the store up. Yeah. But obviously, like, was it already it, similar to to how you wanted it? at the time no no so it was a white it was a white box that okay. was it. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't have a radiator didn't have anything didn't have like a counter and we bought the counter off the girl from previously and it cost us like 200 pounds 300 pounds yeah. um and we were just like shit like what the hell do we do like <laughs> we've literally we, we, have, we, haven't got, we haven't got enough money to fully set it up like from perspective uh we had a recent um refit to the store and the cost of the refit was probably like 10 times the cost of the refit for this store. Yeah. The way we did it was a store opposite had left and had left loads of rails. <laughs> you and just went round and nicked it. <laughs> so they let us in and we just took it and yeah. we were like, let's paint, let, let's uh, let's sand it down, paint it white. Yeah. Let's get, oh, we found like rails on this other place. We had like pallet boards that were in there from previous. We broke them down and we made tables. We, um, there was like a cabinet in in that older space, like an IKEA cabinet, and we literally broke the cabinet down and used the the sides as shelves and put nah, them on nah. the wall. Yeah. And then there was like this, um, you know, the IKEA like drawers, yeah, like yeah. the shitty drawers. There was like four of them in there, and we were like, you know what? Let's just take let's just take them and have them as our stock room. <laughs> so literally, I think it cost us. It cost us the the labour for, for the person that fitted it. So it probably cost us like hundred pounds to fit the store, hundred and fifty. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's that's so resourceful. Nothing. If you see, if you see the pictures of the store when it first released, because we come up to our fourth year, it's like how the hell did we do that for basically no money at all? And I imagine I think I booked a week think, off work. Do you think it's just because you had to, and you just made it made it happen? Yeah, I think it was. We just we just we knew we had to launch. Knew we had to do it, and I think it was like 
we finished it all off on a Saturday, bought like plants and stuff, and then the Sunday we fitted the mirror to the store and we were finally done. And then um, my brother came back from New York and he saw the store and he was like, we were like, oh, bang on, this is sick. Yeah. Like, and we launched literally, I think the the Monday. So were the people no, buying no. online? Were they mainly from Birmingham or just all over? Honestly, like from London, uh, from abroad. We we didn't really have a London, a Birmingham base at all. Like, I probably say. So like did about, you not have like a? You couldn't really channel the online people to the store. If that makes sense, you had to get a new. Yes, we, we with with the physical store. We yeah. sort of we did have a following. So to go back on the Depop thing, we were really lucky in the fact that we were the only store of our kind at that time. Yeah, I'd say. So we got a lot of followers quite quickly and I think we initially we had about I think we started off with three, which was like probably like me, Hass and Vic. <laughs> um yeah. and then within about the September of twenty fifteen we had about I'd probably say like twenty thousand, thirty thousand. Yeah. And I think back then followers were way more on Depop because they were all f- new followers. Yeah. They were so much more engaged. It's because when you launched the store, we, we were Bene Culture, so we were one of the first stores you'd see. So you'd follow us because we, we were like one of the recommended sellers at that point yeah, yeah yeah so people would literally sign up to depop and follow us so from the time we got recommended we went from like twenty thousand to one hundred and sixty thousand. yeah wow and that was helping our sales we had consistent online sales and, and vintage we were always constantly buying new vintage it was really good for us and then we sort of thought we've got this audience based on depop we need to now put this into a physical location and that's and obviously we've had our Instagram too I think we at that point we had about probably like 800 followers not that much at all I think we're like near 10k now yeah um, we didn't have that many followers at all on that Instagram and it was more like we were reposting the same stuff just because we didn't have a lot of we had vintage stock that we were posting but the brand stuff we just didn't have a lot of it and everything was produced by ourselves um, so when we launched this fi- the physical store we knew we had a customer base on Depop and luckily, they did a shout-out for us. They did a blog post on us, Depop did. Yeah, because I was going to ask, how did you sort of get them over? Get them... So, well, we just... I that helped. My brother just emailed him and said, oh, we're launching a store, and then they were really interested, and they came yeah. down, and we went from... We literally went from zero to 100 in some sense, because we had, like, all being run out of our parents', like, uh, box room to having a physical location. Yeah. So it was sort of like literally zero to 100 and we had this physical location and it helped at the start, but I think it was really weird when we first... So the how, first yeah, how, did you, how did you keep the momentum going rather than just, you know, that week, it'd be the new thing and then maybe... Well, we, we launched, like, so we launched on the Monday and the very first day, people that were followers of us actually came to the store for our release. Wow. Because I knew it was the first day they came, yeah, and it was like yeah. really weird thing. It was it was only like about I think it was four or five kids that came in. Mm-hmm. Um, they said they've came from like Coventry, which isn't a lot, but it's like to yeah, but Coventry. that's that's still like that's quite means, far. As in it, it means, means something, lot. yeah. So to us, we were like shit. Like people actually care about us. What the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then that week it was really weird. Like we were really nervous about it, but it was, it was like an amazing week. Like, people came in. They were like loving what we were doing, they're loving the brand, we sold loads of stuff, and then we launched, the, we had like a launch party, yeah. Um, on Saturday, and we were fully not expecting anyone, to, we were expecting like friends and family, and that's it, that was literally, I, I think, I f- fucked up the, the poster, and I'd put, um, <laughs> it was meant to be street food, and I put steep food, <laughs> on the poster, it was like, oh, and we did posted, people come and they were like, what's this, what's this food? <laughs> I think the food vendor we had was like a hot dog guy that did it out of like a motorbike. Yeah. It's a proper nice chap. Um, and he, he was just there. I think like we'd launched it and we were like, I think all our friends helped us like do the launch party. We had like loads of drinks and alcohol and stuff. And then we were fully expecting like no one to come. And then it hit like I think it was seven till 10. And within about 20, 30 minutes, the store was packed out. Yeah. And we were like, oh shit, it's packed out, <laughs> what the fuck? Um, and from there, we sort of just like, we always continued to do the same stuff. Like we would always think, for us, the most important thing is to do events. Yeah, to keep, to keep is, kind of the, the relevance and the momentum. 
yeah, to, to do events, to stock brands that we respect and that are more than just business transaction, that it's more like a, f- a friend yeah. that we're having a conversation yeah. with. And then really, I think we only had three brands and then for the first four months after the brands, we got like quite a few brands in that we really respected. Like we had um, Paradise Youth Club, who were like sort of like Dolby Street Market. Yeah. We had Tilly New Regime, who are a massive Canadian brand. Um, I think the end part or start of 2017, we had uh, Pleasures oh, from yeah, Hood yeah. uh, Lab from Manchester. Yeah. We had like, brands like that coming in. And we built, like, from have literally three brands, we had probably a brand list of about 20 brands. Did it ever um, get to the point where, well, do you think it's tough now because the space is small, so to choose which brands and, and to portray them effectively? So I think we always thought, because like, we had this, this mix of vintage and clothing, we wanted to see it as, like, a wardrobe. So you'd come in and see like the individual brands and what they have. And because it's so small, we just thought, let's just put the products here, magazines yeah. here, and give it really big. Like, we, we want to think, how do we want to shop? Let's try and produce that as a storefront. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, we want to like go in, have someone, it sounds really lame to say, but you're going to go in, not really be fussed that much. If you need someone, they're there and have like nice, calm music, airy, not that cramped yeah i think that the actual space is nice that the way that how the counter is kind of just down a bit and it's nice to walk in because some shops i don't want to mention it which but (laughs) you walk in and it's like you're you're not bombarded but you feel you get this feeling that everyone's looking at you and like you get anxious you know that is I always think that's because of like you know the old school streetwear stores. Yeah, they're so yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say what shop, but you know what I mean. Where it's like you're funneled into buying something. Yeah, and you always feel. I remember it was like old, like the old one of these uh, one of the streetwear stores in Birmingham. Yeah. When I was like eighteen, nineteen, I went in there, and I'd always feel like they're watching me. Yeah. Like yeah. they're judging everything I'm wearing, and I hated that. And now when we have customers come in, if a customer's wearing like a sick outfit, I'll let them know. I'll be like. Dude, your trousers are sick, or your, your jeans are sick, like your yeah. trainers are sick. Because, like, I know it feels to come into a, a space with a random guy looking at you. And you just want to be gassed up. And, like, we won't lie to them, we'll tell them, like, if it looks sick. Like, if your customer tries on a hoodie and it doesn't look good, we won't say to them, oh, it still looks good. You look trash. <laughs> it looks trash. We'll, we'll let you say to them, oh, nah, mate, you know what? Try yeah. this on. We'll, we'll try and, like, find something that suits their style. As yeah. we've always been about. We don't want to. We don't want to upsell someone. We don't want to like do a yeah, thing. Keep, keep it honest and and like yeah. Yeah, because at the end of the day, we're here, we're here. Like the value of a conversation is the same value as a purchase to us. Because that conversation could then lead through someone else coming in the store, communicating with that person, building a friendship, building a brand, building an exhibition. Yeah. And that's what we we find really really key with the store that it's a place to like. It's not a coffee shop, but it's more like a building spot of where you can come and have a chat, meet someone, you follow them on Instagram and then you could start something like a year's time. And we've had that so many times where like people we've had in the store, they've met each other and then they've gone on to like work together on certain topics, got jobs from them or yeah. like um, they've launched something from it or they've they've come back to us a couple of years later and wanted to put an exhibition on. So we always see like... It's, like it's really, really important to have it as more of a, a store, but also as like a, a community spot where people can come in and just chat. Would you, 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 would you really... like to have it like a bigger space or do you think it's quite good having it small and you get to be really selective of how you use it? See, it's hard. We, we, we do want a bigger space. We do want like one day have a bigger space because it's always that thing of you want to have your dream space yeah. of like, you know, like the Supreme stores and like MY yeah, yeah, with like massive ceilings. Yeah. Or like, like a skate spot at the back. Like you, you always want that thing of where it's like you know, a, a dream spot would always have like a space where people can work, a coffee shop, <coughs> some sort of vibe to it. Um, but also we love that s- small store vibe. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like Patter, where it's like, even though it's small, it feels homey. And I think sometimes a lot of big stores can feel empty and have no character. Yeah. So it's it's I think we'll just play it by ear like how we go throughout the years. But I think would we would love to one day have a bigger store, but also like we do still love the small store. It's like 
we've been there for like four years now and it's sort of like it is like a second home for us have you had any events that have been like your favorite events over the like four years um probably my favorite event was the sumo event last year (laughs) yeah Uh, yeah. that event was incredible Look, is that the, that has to be the biggest turnout to anything I've ever seen? To be fair, it, it probably it was probably the biggest. It put match probably the biggest. Yeah. Um, what was what what would match that? What? So we had uh, exhibition earlier in the year for the guys called ba- Babs Collective, and that was like completely backed out, packed uh-huh. out. Um, with a lot of uni students, and then we had a Focke Wolf did an exhibition back okay. in um twenty twenty eighteen, and that was like. That was busy from about half... It started at six, and it was busy from about half five until about ten, I'd say. Yeah. It was busy literally the whole time. I think we sold out on all his products, majority of his products, by, like, within the first 45 minutes. Wow. So do you think the satisfaction from doing events, is that equal or is it way more than maybe releasing a collection or something? I think sort of on par, like with, the, with the exhibitions, we sort of love it because it, we're given a person, a f- like with us, I said before, like we found it really hard to get a space. We even like, we went, went up to retailers and was like, oh, you know, we've got like these brands, but we've got our own label, can we be stocked for you guys? And they'll say no, and like, I wouldn't take it to heart, but like, we know how hard it is to get a free space. Yeah. And I think like, in our generation, like it's so incredible. It's like five, six grand to rent a space out in London. It's probably like two rent 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 space out in Brum for the weekend. Yeah, it's and just, like it's just, we love just giving our space to someone for free. Yeah, like go on a, when I go on a pier here and stuff, it's just it's just crazy and you just think and it makes you think that stuff isn't possible. And I think let you letting yeah. people use the space, it means they're they're gonna go on with their idea or their art and they're gonna push it forward. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's sort of like um when we when we first started out we did like some like markets in London, and we were paying like I think we we're paying like six hundred twenty pounds, hundred pounds for these markets for the so weekend or just for a day. For the weekend. Yeah, yeah. And that was meant that we were told that was cheap, and I was like, "Is that cheap?" Yeah, like, that's that's why I've been paying for the some of the market stalls, and it just it well on a rainy day, you just obviously you just lose you lose so much money. Um, that was like for us thing. We we did our first market in like the August after we launched, so we still had no sales basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we did the first one, and I think the very first day it was good. Then the next day or the day after, I think it was raining, and we sold oh, nothing, yeah. and it was just, we were like proper disheartened about it. And then from, I think that stemmed us the idea of we want to give like pop up spaces to people. Like we've gave spaces to, like Bear Vintage, um, the yeah. vintage guys. Joe Cal, um, and mates brand board. We've gave it to like um, we gave it to like small musicians having a merchant. We've gave it to artists, graphic designers, photographers, and I think we've held about up now. It should have been forty four with Liz Isley's event, which we had to cancel. Mm-hmm. Forty four events, and we've not charged a penny to one person. Yeah, for the actual space itself, and that's like major that. that that to us is like majorly important. And we never want to have a thing where we're charging some for the space because if they come to us with a good idea and they're planned, we'll always charge them nothing for the space. Mm-hmm. Just we wouldn't want them to like make sure they do it properly. Yeah, that's... I think that, I think that's incredible. Like, there's not there's probably well, I can't think of anyone doing what you're doing in terms of for, for young people and the the locations. Well, there's a shop. I think there's a shop in London that does have a rail space and like artists can. Like designers oh, can have stuff in. Sure. I think we went to try and do that with like, like our, you know, like our, our zine, our magazine area. Yeah. There's a lot of like younger photographers and graphic designers who start these zines, and a lot of magazine shops don't take them on because it's like you don't have to spend that kind of money. So what we say to them is we always work on consignment with zine places. Like if you've got a six zine or like a photo series or some sort of small thing, yeah. we're always willing to take it on and then. Instead of paying you wholesale, we'll give them a bigger cut of it. So, like, a lot of our smaller brands, um, uh, well, so back in the day, a lot of our smaller brands, we wanted to help them get bigger. So, we'd always do the thing of, like, you take a bit more of the money from the cut because that obviously helps your business grow a lot further. Yeah. Even though, obviously, we're still growing business ourselves, we always think we want to support the younger brands because it's very important that, like, we want to support someone in their growth. Yeah. 
Do you ever think you've been too supportive and you could have been more like business hat or or do you think you're really happy with just you know letting people grow and stuff i think we, we could have had a, probably a bit more of a business head on it but i also think at the same time it's like what do you think that grow, um, that is the essence and that's why you you know you keep the bene in bene yeah so we keep the <laughs> habit in it because it's sort of like when we asked people how to produce stuff they never told us that hurt because we were just like why won't they tell us? Like, you know what I mean? So yeah. we always think when we were speaking to these brands and they're small and they're like, oh, where do you guys get screen printed? And we tell them because end of the day, it's like we want the company that we're getting our stuff done from to grow to. Yeah. So yeah. we'll tell them where to get it done. We'll say like, yeah, this is the place. Uh, they have this minimum. It's not that bad. Make sure you have this, this for them. And uh, we'll, we'll do even do like an introductory email like, um, like our store fitting was created by um, Digwood mm-hmm. in Birmingham, around the corner from us. And then if everyone asks where they got it produced, don't say, "Oh, I can't tell you that." Yeah, yeah, we're like, yeah. it was Digwood around the corner. Like they're the best. Do you know what I mean? So we're like, we try and push as many people as we can that we're getting stuff like our stuff done from. At the end of the day, we want their business to grow as much as ours because it's it's community. At the end of the day, like we don't want to be we don't we don't want to be using factories in China and and Japan and um like Portugal so we'd rather make it all British made because that's like well it all comes uh, back and yeah when you do go away it's it's very much it's transactional and it it ends there there's nothing wrong with it end of day I think there's a point where every business has to produce yeah 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 but I think some parts of your business to keep them local and and circular like that yeah because it's more like we're community we literally like a community store we're like we're like a restaurant in like a smaller area where they use a bakery to get their bread they get a uh fishmonger in the area to get their stuff it's the same sort of thing but just yeah. in like clothing business sense and so what with the future like looking forward what do you want to happen or change or would you like to go do it full-time or are you really do you always want it to be something that you don't have to push financially and change certain aspects that make it what it is i think we sort of want to have it as like a literally what it is a culture that begins yeah um so obviously we'd love always love to, i'd always love to do it full time but obviously it's yeah always have a day job in some sense when you have a small business yeah and i always yeah. think we sort of want it to grow as like our in-house label was really important to us because the way we collaborate with graphic designers and photographers with it um, but we always want to stock brands too. So I think probably in the next couple of years, it would just be like more, like in the past year, so prior to 2019, we'd probably only done about three releases a year, there or thereabouts. Yeah. Um, so not much. And then 2019, we did at least one to two releases per month for a year. Mm-hmm, and we've mm-hmm. carried that on this month, this year, and we've done two drops a month since we've since the start of 2020 even though covid's happened we've still maintained we're doing two drops a year two two drops a month because people want our products and we also want to create an even better platform to have brands with us yeah i think the best way to say it, we sort of want to have like the balance of like say supreme who have like even though they have their own label inside their supreme store they also stock other brands yeah i find it quite, quite funny because sometimes people go to the store to the supreme store and there's no supreme stuff in it and they'll still buy it because it's got the little the little tag it's <laughs> even like a palace that they stock the tames don't they yeah, so it's yeah. like it's the same thing of where we'd rather rather than quantity i think a lot of like streetwear retailers will have a lot of quantity of stock they'll have like 50 brands but could you say with those 50 brands you could go grab a beer with them you know yeah, what i mean yeah for me i want to have that thing where we stock like 20 30 brands mate 20 brands and do you think that only comes with time and do you think the way you've done it like almost gradually by gradually and keep pushing and keep staying true do you think it's going to last longer and stay stay itself for longer i think we we try and be as like sustainable and pragmatic in terms of decisions we make of the business so we we never rush into anything we always think try and be as planned as possible with what we're doing yeah. Um. So I think we want to be. We want to think more about longevity rather than let's make a quick book mm. here and there. But obviously, we do have restocks, which obviously generates money for us. But we always think we want to make those restocks super limited. It's like uh, one of our latest releases, the, commu- the the connecting people to 
restocked that three times this year, but we still try and make it. We don't produce like 500 of them. We produce yeah. a limited number. So it's like, even though it's restocked, it's limited. Like, And there's all, I think there's always something about, not something that you can't get, but something you get and you know that you've been, you're part of it. Not that yeah. it's limited as in you couldn't get it, but as in you're part of it. There's a difference. Yes, yeah, so that's the whole thing. We want, I think, every drop we've released this year, we've always we've tried to push it as it's like, like with our central drop, it's not just a t-shirt and a hoodie and a pair of joggers. It's you're buying a uniform for Bene, yeah. for good culture. Yeah. That's what we're trying to improve, like, uh, emphasise. And then like with our connecting people t-shirt, it's the whole thing of our store is there to connect people together. And then with our Atlas drop, it was we're literally we're trying to lift people up in our community. That's how we're trying to see it. Or like even vice versa, you could say the people in our community lift Bene Bene up. So oh, we yeah, always try yeah. and think about like community is our key. Because we always think. Do you like, think it's sometimes hard to show because all you have all these great values and you do so much great stuff, but do you think it's sometimes hard to show that to like sometimes the end customer of the t-shirt or the hoodie. I think it is. We, we try as much, as much as we can to do, like, blog posts and, like, reshare files from events. But I think a, a lot of customers will just see it as a product. Like, yeah. nothing wrong with that. Like, it's like, if you look at, like, other retailers, a lot of their customers are... They probably have a great conversation in person. A lot of their customers will just be there to buy the product. They won't really care about the stuff behind it. Yeah, It's not a bad thing about that. But there's that one or two customers that will email back to say, oh, thank you so much. I love the product. And that means a hell of a lot to us. So we always think, like, there's, you, there's no wrong customer in some sort of sense. Like, yeah, like, they can buy it just because they like the design or if they like the name or they like, or if they like the, the bigger message and that. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's like, it, it's, it's a club anyone can join. It's not like yeah. a cool club. Yeah. It's not like a thing where, because you're 50 years old, you can't wear it. It's like, wear it, you're 50. It's sick. Yeah, stylish. Like it's, it looks good on you. Have you like, have you it, got any customer who's like really old, who's who's, you know, who you, you're surprised by, or something? Not, not 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 surprised at all. Like I had we had this um, we had this guy that comes in sometimes. Is I think he's about just over fifty or something, fifty five, yeah. and he buys our products. But it's because the product speaks to him. Like it's, it's not. I think he buys some Bene bits and he buys some other bits, but. He speaks to him and then vice versa. We had like a kid come in who was probably like seven. Yeah. Buy a hoodie off us in small. And that's great to see that he's seven years, like he's seven, eight years old and he likes our product. So it's like, we, we don't want to be like typecast like, oh, you have to be 18 to 23 year old, a 23 year old to yeah, like yeah, this yeah. product. We want to be like, you can be literally however as old as you, you want to be. We'll have something in that store for you. Mm. Or we, or like, you can like our products no matter what your age is because I hate when like brands just typecast to one age group. Why? Like, why is that? What? What don't you like I, about that? I don't know. I, I think it shouldn't be because you're younger, old, or whatever. It, sh- it shouldn't matter towards what you like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because if, if you've got a lot, a lot of streetwear heads that started it, they're definitely not in their 20s anymore they're probably in their 40s 50s and they started the streetwear scene so yeah. they're obviously that age group so their age group that was into it like stussy in the 90s would be 40 50 now and it's nothing bad that like that if they like the stuff do you know what i mean do you think it should work the other way around so that they should like the 40 50 year olds they shouldn't feel bad for wearing stuff that they used to wear yeah i, I think there's so many people nowadays like um, like influencers and stuff that are like older in age and they're still rocking like the Stussy, the Supreme, the Palace, yeah, like the old school Fendi, old school like Louis Vuitton, like and like Dior and stuff like that. And it's even like Stone Island, which you would say it's you know, at seven with Stone Island, where it's literally like you can see a kid wearing it and you can see an eight year old man wearing it, and there's no you wouldn't question it, yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't question it at all if either one of them wore it, and that's what we want to. We do for our business where it's like we just produce great products and we don't care. We care so much about the customer. We don't care about like your age, what you're interested in. We'll fo- we'll have a conversation with you. Like, yeah. So I think when we first, about two months back-ish, I had like quite a busy day in the store and I went from a punk kid that was about to start a, brand, a band 
to a kid that was like a trainer lover to another kid that was studying like uh, uh that was studying something like i think it was biochemistry or something and it was like do you know what i mean it was just sort of like a very different range of people but that's what i love i love meeting new people and understanding like to understand them and have a conversation with them yeah i that's think like, that, and sometimes i think i forget personally that like everyone's got just a rich story to tell and like, and like so scared to talk about it yeah yeah so true anyway it's, yeah. it's getting we're, we're like on what we on one hour or something right oh shit yeah yeah I'll stop it there but uh, it's been great it's been great <laughs> yeah Salman all the best all the best wait how do I end it <laughs>